0: y'all and welcome to the Fix Yourself First with Dr. Christie podcast. This is a show for people who are tired of waiting on others to change and ready to focus on themselves in order to improve their relationships. I've learned from my personal and professional life as a psychotherapist and relationship expert that the only way to have a healthy relationship was when I realized that I had to fix myself first versus waiting on others to change. Thank you for listening to my show and go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss any future ones. Now let's get started. In this episode, I'm talking with Stephanie of IamStephanieMichelle.com. She's a diet culture recovery coach specializing in helping women overcome binge eating and body image issues. She's got degrees in development psychology, occupational therapy with a certification in integrative health coaching. And she's working on her current intuitive eating certification. After struggling with her multiple eating disorders for the past 25 years, she's experienced her own recovery and her own self-exploration. She considers her boots on the ground experience of recovery her most teachable asset. Stephanie lives in New Jersey with her husband and three daughters, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have her this week on the show talking about body image, acceptance, diet culture how you talk to your kids about eating, intuitive eating, and then if you're a partner, how you can support your loved one who's struggling with their body image, as well as how our body image is affected when it comes to our relationships and sex and intimacy. So sit back and listen to my chat with Stephanie. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show.
1: I'm glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yes, I know this is going to be an awesome show because of your expertise, your journey and all that you have to give the clients that you work with every day around binge eating, recovery, self-awareness and diet culture, a whole lot of things. So before I start in specifically, tell us a little bit about what led you to want to work in this area, in this field. So tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Yeah, so I had struggled with an eating disorder since I, around the age of fifteen. You know that kind of coming of age adolescent period. Um, I, beca- I would became anorexic initially. It morphed into binge eating, then bulimia, and um, I struggled throughout college, throughout my twenties, into my thirties, in all manners of the eating disorder, just taking different shapes. Um, orthorexia became an issue for me in um, my thirties, which is the obsession with wellness. At one point I had become a health coach um, because I was so almost desperate to cure myself through nutrition and wellness. That's what, that was like the, okay, let me try it this way because it's almost like the socially acceptable form of diet culture these days is, you know, wellness and health. Mm-hmm. So I had become a health coach and I just realized that I was only getting sicker. At that point, I was married. I had three kids. I have three daughters. Um, and I just reached a point in my life where I, 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 I realized I wasn't going to get better unless I got better. Um, it wasn't just going to happen to me. So I started just digging deeper. And I read a book called The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. And I don't know it was just that place and time that I was just ready for that change. I was just at a, the point in my life where I think I, think I was just, I was done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what, as scary as this is, I'm going to go all in and I'm just going to undiet my way out of this. And I, <laughs> I, I attempted to do this. It took me well over a year to feel like I had really come out of the trenches even a little bit. Um, but I trusted it. I, it was a different process than I had ever you know, undertaken before. And I felt from the get-go that something was different. There was a level of self-acceptance um, yes. that came along with eating whatever I my body wanted and honoring my body first instead of my mind and diet culture that I just knew, despite the weight gain, despite my body image issues along the way, that this was the path. So I um, found myself, you know, over two years, I was recovered and I hadn't been recovered. I mean, I hadn't eaten normally since I was a child. So at 40 years old, you know, for this to happen, I was almost 40 at the time. And, um, I knew it was like, I was like, wow, recovery is actually possible. I had sort of lost hope that it was. And I knew that this was something I wanted to bring to anyone else who was, you know, sitting in their beds, you know, feeling depressed and anxious with, you know, anyone where I had been that these people, you know, that people could actually recover. But, um, Needed tools that diet culture can't give them. Um, and even that eating disorder treatment can't give them, because I think that um, in a lot of cases, eating disorder treatment, which I had gone through, um, had led me astray. So um, it, it's my passion. And I uh, started you know, becoming a binge and binge recovery and diet culture recovery coach, and I have never looked back.
0: But you've lived it. And so you know what works and you know what doesn't work. And I think that's a a gift is your awareness and the really timing that you were ready and tired of being sick and tired. It's a cliche, but it's true. It is. The stars really align. You put the work in and Mm -hmm. that dedication and you found recovery where you didn't think it was possible. So to get it, you know, at 40 and struggling with it since an early teen, it's really huge to show, you know, what you're willing to do to be healthy and to accept yourself.
1: Yeah, it was um I mean I found that just all of the ideas that we have about health and wellness and even um self-care and all of those things are just very misleading and I had to go figure out what these things meant for myself not for what, what was being t- you know told to me mm-hmm. by the media and by even you know like I said with um treatments and you know I was in therapy all of that time and it it didn't help. I think I think it's a radical approach to, um, you know, to to step out of the eating disorder world, to step out of um, body image concerns. It's something that women are taught is the scariest thing to possibly do. And maybe, you know, let's, you know, not to go there. It's stepping into your power uh, in a lot of ways. I had to um, really rethink things I had been taught as a, as a kid. I had to step outside of my f- my, you know, my family, my, with my parents and my, even my brother and sister and just the role I played with, you know, in that family, it was hard. It was, um, it was scary too. It was, it was not a a comfortable process in any way, but you reach a point in life, especially when you're, you know, you're almost 40 dealing with this for 25 years and thinking, you know, I don't want to be 75 or 80 years old. I mean, my grandmother is just turned 90 last week and still diets and, you know, obsesses about her body. And I didn't want that. And especially with raising three kids, three daughters, nonetheless, Mm. um, you know, I I just want it to be the the point in the generations where things are going to change. And and I, and I, I'm there, Uh, you know, I'm doing that work and I'm raising my daughters differently than I was raised and trying to help others do the same.
0: Well, you, you broke the chain in that family yeah. cycle and it didn't come from anyone um, wanting to cause any negative, bad, anything. It's, oh, you know, it doesn't come from a negative place. It just kind of morphs and just becomes what it is. Yeah. And you said, yeah, no, I've got three daughters. This is not <laughs> happening. It was great motivation for you to, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to go and make these changes. Give us a little bit of example. I think it'd be really helpful to hear maybe some stuff that, you know, that played into your mindset when it comes to body image and eating and the stuff maybe that you took and that you notice, I'm not doing the same thing with my daughters. Mm. Like I'm showing them something different. And I know you teach this with clients as well. So what is one of those examples that come up for you?
1: Well, I think that the biggest part that you can put both food and body into is there's, it's about listening to yourself and accepting that what your natural cues are, what your natural, um, desires are, um, are actually worth listening to. And, um, for example, I mean, there were just rules in my head about the, um, you know, the amount of carbs I could eat or mm-hmm. what time of night I had to finish eating by, or just the number on the scale or the pant size, um, what that had to be to be acceptable or what range it had to be within to be acceptable. I mean, I would have said, oh, no, I I know I don't have to be skinny. I I might have told you that at one time. Um, But I still had a boundary of what it had to look like. Um, And when I started recovering, I realized how much of the recovery process overlapped with saying, like, my body is hungry right now, so I'm going to feed it. Um, You know, my body is growing right now, so I'm going to wear clothes that fit. Um, and to not deny any of that experience, to go on the beach with my kids in the middle of this messy recovery. When I was, I had put on weight from the recovery process, um, especially initially and to say, I'm not missing out on any of this in the name of, you know, embarrassment or I'm not good enough. It was, nope, I'm going to go out there because I deserve every bit of this vacation with my, with my family. And that's the new standard. You know, that's how it's going to be now. Um, and in doing that, you just realize how powerful your, your mind can be and how much you have allowed uh, this oppressive, you know, diet culture to rule your life and that you don't have to, it's actually within your power to not do that. And that is liberating. I mean, that to me was this like, Oh, I can eat this if I want to, I can, you know, I can wear this if I want to, I can, I can do this if I want to, um, and yeah, it just, I mean, it was scary, but it it was, it was liberating.
0: Oh, I bet. And so you talk a bit about diet culture. I have an idea of what you mean by that, but can you break it down a little bit for us? Like what, what does that include?
1: What does that mean? And how might it apply to our lives? Even when we consciously might not even realize it. So diet culture, um, which is closely, uh, you know, a sister to wellness culture. Um, I, I can talk about them both, but diet culture being, you know, and especially, um, when I was younger, it was more like the Weight Watchers and the Noom and the, um, you know, all the diets, the paleo, intermittent fasting, all of the trends, gluten-free even, uh, is, you know, outside of celiac, um, all of these ideas of what, um, what you should look like to be healthy, the fact that health equals being a certain weight, um, which is actually not, not true, um, that you have to have a certain body shape. So all of the the people we're seeing in um, magazines and on television and the general body shapes that we are exposed to and made to believe that this is normal and standard. Um, even things like the obesity epidemic in quotes um, where people are talking about, you know, obesity as an epidemic and as this, as this big uh, problem that we have to solve when um people can naturally fall at higher weights and engage in healthy behaviors and still be healthy. But there's such a paradigm, even in the medical community, that weight equals health and weight equals beauty. You know, a lower weight equals a beauty. Um, and just, it's the, it's the messaging that we're getting. So diet culture is, is literally like the water we're swimming in. I feel like um, you don't realize you're in it until you step out of it. You don't, I mean, I just had no, now that I'm out of it, I see how pervasive it is every single day with like any piece of literature that comes in every, any, you know, anything I turn on my, you know, my internet screen. I mean, there's so much out there just giving us this message that we are not good enough unless we look like X and we eat like Y and we, you know. We're as healthy as the, you know, it's, it's just this idea that we have to, that this is imperative and that our health is actually, we owe it to other people to be, you know, to be thin and to be healthy and that they have, you know, a right to concern troll us when, you know, when and if we're, we decide that we're not.
0: Well, it makes sense that you say a lot of times that we don't even realize we're in it until we step out of it because with anything else, when we're in the middle of it, we don't see all the ways it affects us. And so if someone's listening right now and wondering, okay, well, how do I even start maybe stepping out of that? What is a tip or something someone can do today or a question they can ask themselves to start taking a step out of that diet culture pool or swimming?
1: Mm, great question. Um, so I work with a lot of people at various stages of this game. There are some people who have an idea of what anti-diet culture means um, and others who have none. So, um, the, one of the first things I always ask people to do is to look at the um, their social media diet and their visual diet and what they are absorbing in terms of, um, you know, especially now with Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, we can mindlessly scroll in that for days yes. and there's a lot of messages mm-hmm. in there, especially if people are trying to lose weight, which is very common and they're, you know, subscribing to hashtags of Uh, Weight loss, or they're or they're seeing noon pop up as a sponsored ad in their Facebook feed, or something, or the commercials even on television, and they they bite on that. And just to examine any um, wellness disguised as diet, and to really question what the what are they trying to sell you? Are they trying to sell you something that you've you've heard time and time again, just repackaged in a different form, or um, you know? the same old isn't going to get you anywhere. So what else might be out there? I mean, there's books I recommend also. Um, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison is a huge one. The, uh, the book I mentioned earlier, The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner is a great, great one. Um, just to get into a totally different uh, mindset around what what diets are doing to us actually and how we can approach this in an entirely novel way that I don't think we, we necessarily would think of on our own because the messaging is so strong. So to, to re-examine your, your media and what you're letting, letting in and to start criticizing it or, or questioning it anyway. Um, you know, e- even articles about when, you know what is health and, and, and how, you know, health and weight are intertwined. And can you, you know, actually engage in healthy behaviors without having to lose any weight at all? I mean, the answer being, yes, you can. And, um, you know, weight stigma is actually a, a greater, um, a great, more related to adverse health effects than the weight itself. So um, just to begin the questioning, I think, especially if you're, if this is completely new to you. And that can be the hardest part is to kind of
0: give ourselves that permission to start asking those questions. But I think that's a great gateway into opening our minds up a little bit about what's possible. And I know a lot of, a lot of people, let's just say that have kids, you have three girls. You know, they, and especially younger kids, they worry like, how do I talk about food, or how do I give positive messages? Mm. I don't want to give um, the wrong message. Or, you know, they may even see some weight fluctuations happen with their teen, and they're worried. Mm. how How do you start out on the best foot with talking positively about food, but then also body image and that acceptance? From mm. maybe if, if someone's listening, it's
1: got little kids is starting out. What are some things mm. they can do to help with the, that messaging? Okay. Well, the first thing I always say is never make it about their weight. Um, parents become immediately concerned if their child starts to put on any, you know, any amount of weight. Children are naturally um, regulated. We're, we're born intuitive eaters. So as we move along in life, diet culture, and, you know, the messages that our, our parents absorb from diet culture then get passed to us, and then we go ahead and pass them down, um, that, you know, we have to control weight at a certain point. And really our bodies are designed to do that just fine by themselves. So I always advise parents to leave weight out of the equation. And if it's a matter of getting their children to eat, um, quote unquote, healthier things, which I understand. I mean, kids will eat a lot of candy if they're given the liberty to do that, but, um, they will also eat, um, vegetables and fruits, um, if they are not made to feel that they have been restricted. So, I think one of the most common things I see with the parents that I work with is that um, their parents have have adopted a sort of wellness culture vibe in their kitchen of, okay, well, they sort of understand well, we're not supposed to, um, you know, make our kids feel bad about putting on weight, but they have to be healthy. So therefore, all this sugar gets out of their, you know, their pantries and they're not allowed to have, you know, this and the ice cream and this and that. And um, children, as much as we do, absorb this idea of restriction and that scarcity and learn that, oh my gosh, these things aren't available. And then it makes them um, gravitate even more so towards that when they're given the opportunity at, say, like a birthday party or they're out at school and you know, or at a friend's house. And that is actually the root of the problem more so than, you know, parents will say, I think my kid is addicted to sugar. Or I think, I think my child is just like, they, they've inherited my, um, my, my, my food problems. And really it's because we're trying to micromanage these kids appetites and, um, intake, and we're creating a little monster of what we were. Um, and you know, we're in some ways we're trying to control them through or control ourselves through them. Um, And when we just allow kids to self-regulate, providing options, and it's okay, you know, I always say, like, yes, kids will opt for a lollipop over a, you know, stalk of broccoli, but if, you know, it's okay to say, you know, this isn't on the menu right now, but you can have it tomorrow, or we can have it later, um, but to know that child is allowed to have it to to to, under, to have the child understand that this is not an off limits food we don't call it junk we don't call it bad we don't call it unhealthy we understand food in its context and that we provide them with a wide range of foods to eat and that naturally i always say it's a long game with kids you can't you know getting them to finish their kale smoothie today is not going to make them healthy, but having a relationship with food that's going to take them beyond these years of, you know, being a child um, is what really is the best thing we can do for our kids.
0: Okay. With that being said, not just kids are effective, but our relationships with our partners is definitely affected by how we see ourselves, our body image, and that maybe lack of acceptance of it, as well as, um, you know, you, you may be trying to be healthy and a partner may not be trying to be healthy and you've kind of got this conflict at times. So let's start with how our body image uh, affects the relationships in a negative way, especially when it comes to feeling comfortable with how we look in the mirror, how we look Mm. when it comes to intimacy and sex and being naked in front of one another. I know a lot of men, but mostly women struggle with their bodies and how they look, especially if they've had kids like how mm-hmm. they feel about their body in front of their partners. And a lot of times it'll cause them to have all, cause they come to me with all these issues around sex. And when we point out and say, actually, it's not a sex issue. It's more about how you see yourself and mm-hmm. how that's keeping you. So do you see things around those topics with some of the clients that you work with?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we tend to project our insecurities onto, you know, what we believe our partner sees in us. Um, so I know I did that myself, Um, where, you know, if I couldn't love my body and if, you know, if my clients can't love their body, they can't imagine why anyone else would. Um, when in fact our partners, um, may find us sexy and attractive and not have the same, you know, standards that we um, have placed on ourselves. But we just, when you, until you accept yourself, you're not going to be able to stand up, you know, you know, to get in front of your husband naked and feel good about that. So it always is an inner work first. Um, that has to be addressed. We can't do things for others. And really, a lot of it comes down to that about, you know, our body is not f- designed to be, it's not for other people. It's not there for, you know, as an ornament for them to admire. That isn't what it's about. Our body is ours first, and it's about respect. And you don't have to love your body in order to feel comfortable in it or to feel even confident sometimes. Um, I think there's a big misconception about. You know, I have to love my body and I can't be sexy unless I love my body and I can't love my body unless I weigh a certain amount and, you know, things like that. And really, I think the work is more about respecting your body and getting to, you know, doing some deep diving in your, you know, into yourself and your real true fears and insecurities, which are often behind our body uh, insecurities to figure out where we need to do some work so that we get to a place of feeling a little bit more at peace with our bodies that we can tolerate them without hating them or feeling like we have to have sex with the lights off. And in that journey, um, we become so there's such a self-confidence that just come. It it is nothing to do with what your body looks like. There's in doing like healing work inside, there's so much confidence that comes in having more self-esteem and having a sense of self-efficacy and feeling like you are, you are worthy and you have a lot to offer. And there's a lot of layers in you that, um, you know, to share with the world and that, you know, these are the things that probably your partner may have may have been attracted to, um, and that, that he sees in you or she sees in you that you may have been unable to see in yourself. So to uncover these parts of yourself and to embrace them um, allows you to just, you just naturally feel more comfortable in who you are and sex gets better and you're able to put on, you know, whatever it is you want to wear or not wear and feel like you're okay because it's not about your body. You're It's about everything else about you, you know, and your body is just your, your vehicle. Um, yeah. So, so th- I mean, that is a big one depending on the partner. I've, I've seen some people with really supportive partners as, um, as they've gone through this, um, which is always very helpful. And, um, others that, you know, p- women who don't even speak to their husbands or, or partners about what, uh, what they're dealing with inside, um, which is a very lonely journey to be going through alone, um, So that's a whole different set of kind of uh, issues that we'll work with, you know, aside from the food things um, and even different from the body things. It's more about communication and connection. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Well, I love that you said that we can accept our bodies and not have to love it because that gives us a lot of freedom because we're not all or nothing beings. And we'd really set ourselves up for self-sabotage if we Mm -hmm. thought to accept my body where it's at today means that I don't have to love it but I can still accept it. And and that's huge. And I think if, if we could start reminding ourselves of that, we can give ourselves a lot more freedom to be okay with wherever we're at. And what I see a lot of times it comes up with this, especially when it comes to body image and the struggle to accept where it's at uh, is there's a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. shame can definitely be that fuel for someone struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating Shame is one of those things that just kind of keeps it going. So I wonder if there's someone right now that's feeling shame around mm. their eating, uh, their bodies, or what they're not able to do with their bodies when it comes to relationship, what would you tell them in order to help them work through some of that shame? I know you can't like mm. magically fix it for them, but <laughs> yeah, can they start?
1: i this uh, it's I have two two answers the first being if it's shame around um, your eating and your food and your eating disorder, um that this is not i this is something that is completely not your fault. you have full permission to release that shame because this is something that. We usually develop to, as a protection of something else, a trauma or some kind of hurt that we've had, a pain in our past, um, usually it develops out of that. And because diet culture is so pervasive and so convincing, it's very easy to fall into this idea that we need to regulate our food and and body. And um, ultimately, our body isn't designed to withstand that kind of control. And it's very much not our fault. Um, but I know that people believe, um, that it is, I did, I certainly thought every time I binged, I, I couldn't believe the amount of shame, you know, how could I do this? How, why am I so gluttonous, you know, all of these things. And how could I purge when I have children? Um, this is, this was huge. This would weigh on me. Um, and ultimately, you know, now looking back, I know that this was a setup, <laughs> you know, this is not, this isn't, yeah. was not my fault. That's number one. Um. And as far as shame around your body, I have never, I have yet to meet a client who, whose shame around um, certain parts of their body or just in general hasn't related directly to something else. There's always something living under that shame. There's, there's a story under the story. Um, so understanding that, I mean, I have, I have, um, heard people speak and, and met people in very large bodies with absolute confidence and self-love. And I have worked with many very, um, under, you know, undernourished people, um, models who hate their bodies. It's not about our body. There's um, the shame that we feel is, is about something much deeper. And um, that's what I work with clients in, in helping them uncover, you know, where did this shame begin where, what is happening? What is the real fear? What is the real insecurity? And I mean, that takes lots and lots of sessions of figuring out, but, um, that uncovering that and dealing with that pain often is the gateway to opening the um, the door to self-acceptance. Okay.
0: With that being said, in a lot of partnerships, the partner may have, you know, their loved one may be struggling with this, the shame it comes out, maybe the person's shutting down, maybe they're avoiding backing away, or maybe they're struggling in the depths of an eating disorder or disordered eating, um, or really struggling with their body image. So if there's a partner, listen right now that their loved one is dealing with this, uh, because it can feel very helpless, right? Because a lot of partners want to fix it for them, want to make yeah. it better. And we know that can't happen because right. you got to fix yourself first. Um, what would you tell them to help them have maybe a better understanding or maybe have some hope in how they can meet their loved one and, mm. and assist in any way?
1: Yeah. So the first one, not being to try to fix it. I think it's frustrating for um, someone on the receiving end to, you know, have all of this emotion and, 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 oh, shame and have someone try to fix it because it's not fixed. No one external is going to be able to fix it. Um, to be the listening ear and to be unconditionally supportive. Um, I have found a lot of people um, who did not have or or felt that they did not have parents that were as unconditionally supportive really are seeking that in their partners. So um, having, you know, to speak to partners who are dealing with or, or to the partners of people dealing with this, to just remember that your presence and your support is going to, at least be the foundation for someone to be able to go out and do the work on their own because it has to come from within. And the best you can do is be that rock that they can go back to again and again to um, you know, so when they're going through it and it's so hard and they're in the messy part of it, you know, they, they know that you're there for them and that you're just a sense of stability for them as they feel like they're, you know, in a roller coaster up and down trying to heal. Um, I think the stability piece is really big for someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, um, or even just someone with disordered eating or body image issues, because our emotions are always so up and down and to have someone just be steady for us, um, is, is healing in a way of, in itself, Well, that's really
0: great advice, especially for those partners. And as we kind of wrap up and you want to leave everyone with one last place to start, one last tip to looking at maybe how they view their bodies, diet culture in general, or kind of making their self change. What's one last tip you would like every single person listening to do and apply in their lives, Mm. regardless of where they're at on their journey?
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, (laughs) I I think, I mean, a lot of things come to mind, but I think at, um, at the end of the day, I think understanding that you can, you can eat what it is that you want to eat. You can wear what you want to wear. You can actually feel about yourself what you imagine is out of your reach to feel about yourself, to know that this is actually a possibility. Um, And it starts with just changing your mind about it and thinking about it a little bit differently. So if, if any of what I've said today, you know, what we've talked about turned something on or, or, or sparked some, some level of interest to follow that a little bit deeper because there is a world that can open up really um, where our brainwashing has been taking center stage around diet culture. And that it it is not actually, it's a reality that we feel is a fact. It's it's not, it's actually something within our capacity to change. And in doing so, your life can, it can open up into places that you never expected that it could. And that that is completely, completely possible, even for people who, believe that they hate their bodies and could never imagine, um, come getting to a place of self acceptance. I, I can, I can attest that that is unbelievably, it's not true. And you can, you can do that work. And there's a lot of support out there. Um, there's a lot of, um, book, there's books, there's articles, there's bloggers, there's influencers on social media, um, who, you know, once you peek into this world, you realize it's actually quite quite extensive and there's a lot of resources and support out there to to um, help you along the way and that that is out there um, if you look for it. Okay. Well,
0: thank you for your hope because that's what you're giving and sharing. And if anyone knows, it's you. You've lived it. You've done that. And you're helping other people do the same. So share a little bit about I know you've got a new program coming out. Tell us a little bit about the program and then how people can go ahead and connect with you after this episode so they can follow along with your journey and your Mm. inspiration because you do really great posts that are very motivational.
1: Oh, thanks. Um, Right. So um, I am in the middle of developing um, what will probably be my signature program. It may even become a group program at some point um, based on the pillars of what I saw as the pillars of my healing. So it talks, I know I do to discuss things about um, actually how to get out of um, dieting and how to eat like a normal person, quote unquote um, and body image and how to navigate that world and also healing your inner child and, Finding you know ways to take care of yourself and, and um, improve your self-esteem all of these things that I think were part of my journey I'm creating. Um, so I do have the first two modules that are coming out next month uh, in September. I don't know when this will air um, but um Those will be available. Uh, and they are the probably the hottest the hottest topics at this point the of uh, the food and body modules so, um I think mid-September that's going to be available. You know, the cart will open for that. So I would love anyone who is mildly interested in that to come and join. And in the meantime, um, yeah, I post every day on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my handle is at I am Stephanie, Michelle, uh, Stephanie with an F and Michelle with one L. I, my parents didn't make it easy, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on there every day. I'm very active in the stories. I, I have a nice close knit community there. So I, you know, I'm, I'm very active on, on social media and that's where I find myself connecting with a lot of, a lot of people um, every day. Um, so I would, yeah, I would love anyone who, who resonates with any of this to come find me there.
0: Great. And we'll make sure we'll have all your contact info on your episode page. So as you're listening to that, you can go to the website and click through and go directly to her, to her page and to her connections if you, if you um, need any help with that. So thank you again, Stephanie, for being here with us and sharing this much needed advice. And most importantly, keeping us hopeful that recovery is out there, that mm. it's out there. And that again, if you can do this, we can do this. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate all the good that you're putting into the world. Hope to have you on again soon. Thank
1: you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Thanks for listening to my show your support means the world to me remember you can always be a guest on the show to get your questions answered or you can email me your questions on my website if you enjoyed the show please consider giving it a review on itunes and downloading all the episodes you can access all the information i discussed today in the show notes at christieoverstreet.com podcast until next time